KISS PR Brand Story Podcast. Amplify your stories by getting you featured in large news outlets like Associated Press, Yahoo News, Fox, NBC, ABC News Affiliates, over 500 news sites submitted to Bloomberg, journalists, bloggers, and now the podcast. Feature story is... Hello, everyone. Once again, on the Subject Matter Expert Podcast, I have a great pleasure of having a great friend, Nicholas Matthews. Matthews is a founder and CEO of Stillwater Behavioral Health, which is a state-of-art substance use treatment facility, and they offer treatment programs such as detox, inpatient treatment, dual diagnosis, and they are located with two locations in Montecito and Porter Ranch. So I have a great pleasure to introduce you. Hello, Matthews. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, so we get this podcast off the ground. Can you tell our audience a little bit background about yourself, and then we can dig deeper? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I uh, I grew up in a, um, a very small town in uh, the state of Oregon. Um, you know, a really kind of beautiful, quaint environment, um, but unfortunately, not a lot of room for ambition or growth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a predetermined career path, if you will. Um, and unfortunately, I, I, you know, I made some 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 bad choices. Uh, you know, to kind of cope with my own personal trauma and my own feeling of of being trapped. I think, um, and so I fell into. Um, you know, pretty consistent substance abuse that eventually culminated in full-blown heroin addiction. Um, so, uh, you know, when I realized I was on a very quick path to nowhere, I decided to come to Los Angeles and go into treatment and get sober. Um, and what I learned is that I had a tremendous passion for the work. Um, and I had an opportunity to kind of give back and I wanted to, you know, again, help people that, um, struggled in the same way that I did. And now it is, it is, you know, um, really kind of culminated in this, this fantastic experience that we get to help people, uh, from all different walks of life, um, including people just like me. Um, so there's a lot of passion behind what we do. Um, you know, and, and again, we're all kind of living, breathing examples of this product working. Well, great, great story. Most of the people that I've interviewed and work with in the substance use uh, are usually uh, the ones that have had problems and then they become sober and they start this journey. So great, great, um, really worked hard, great mindset. So how many years have you been uh, sober? I've been sober nine years. Oh, well, uh, congratulations and uh, very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us, um, after you wanted to start starting an addiction facility, it's one of the most difficult occupations to start because not only do you need cash and funding and all of that, you need, you know, management experience. What were the challenges? Can you walk us through for somebody who is either a CEO or a manager so they can understand that this is not a cakewalk? Can you, can you give us some insight? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this industry um, in particular, I think any healthcare field, but, but in particular, when you're dealing with, you know, sick individuals, um, 
you know, one of the things that we learned very early on is that, uh, you know, addiction and mental health doesn't discriminate at all. So yeah. what what you're looking at is a business model that has a demographic that you can't hammer down. And one of the first things they'll teach you in business school is know your demographic. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, it's know your product. Well, we're selling a walk of life, a way of life, if you will, right? Which yeah. let's say, for example, if I was selling a vacuum cleaner, I can show you, hey, look how great this thing works by by demonstration. Right. Whereas what I sell is, is more... Um, you know, kind of based in uh, leading by example and and trying to get, you know, people to trust me when I say that living in, in sobriety and, and overall wellness is better. And then the last issue with this business is that um, our perfect customer never comes back. We don't want recidivism. You yeah. know, we want people to stay sober, come into treatment and then never have to return. So you have these three very conflicting ideas of what it would take to to create a successful business. Um, And one of the things that I would really encourage people to do is is understand the space by involving yourself. Um, You know, when you're when you're looking at a, a treatment center, it is it is this really interesting dynamic of a group of people all living in the same house together or in the same environment together. So you're creating a community. Um, and I think the best way to kind of put your finger on the pulse of that community is to involve yourself in every facet of the, of the program. Um, me, for example, you know, when I started in this industry, um, I had a year sober and I was working overnight shifts as a behavioral health technician. Um, and, you know, at that point I was able to, you know, really kind of, take advantage of my time on the overnight shifts and learn the ins and outs of what made the company tick. How did it work? Um, more importantly, it, it afforded me an opportunity to note some of the deficiencies um, of the company and educate myself on the compliance from a state standpoint, um, you know, a national standpoint, when you're looking at uh, governing bodies like the Joint Commission and all these accrediting bodies. Um so I really took advantage of that time and, uh, you know, kind of worked my way up from there. Um, and, and you know, I think that at least as far as I can tell, that has been sort of a linchpin to my success thus far is that I was able to, I can earnestly say that I've worked every job in a treatment center. Um, I know how they tick. Uh, I know the ins and outs uh, completely. Um, and I think, you know, that's, really kind of an important thing is, is understanding what makes these work because it's, it's, uh, it's not traditional. It's definitely not traditional. Right. Well, great insight. Um, a lot of people, uh, would, uh, get a great idea from this and, you know, get to know you. Uh, so let's talk about, you talk about addiction treatment options. Um, your website talks about various, plans walk us through because from what i know usually when somebody has a substance disorder normally they have to come for a detox and then once the detox is done they have to be treated like a 21 day treatment program or maybe 90 day treatment program and and that point uh, they obviously you know qualify or graduate and go and you don't want them to come back so walk us through a typical customer journey so people that are listening to this audience, you know, podcast can get to know it. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. It generally more often than not begins with a detoxification of some sort. Um, and not everybody that comes through does, you know, have a substance use problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are, uh, you know, it's very much a kind of tailor-made treatment program depending on the individual. But, you know, on average, we will usually see a seven to 10 day detox, sometimes 14 days, depending on the substance, the amount that they've used, et cetera. And during that detox window, you know, it's me- it's medically managed. So you're meeting with a physician once a day, you're meeting with nursing staff, you're taking medications to um, sort of combat withdrawal symptoms. And we we titrate you or taper you off of the medication slowly to make sure that you're not only as comfortable as possible, but that it's as safe as possible. You know, one of the things that people tend to forget is that, you know, alcohol, for example, going into withdrawal from alcohol, if you have physical dependency can result in seizures and even death in some serious cases. Um, So it's a very medically necessary service. Um, We then would immediately start to dive into the clinical side of things. Um, One of the best ways I like to put it is, you know, we're going to, take the substance away, and then we're going to figure out why you wanted to use it in the first place. You know, it's, it's our belief and our experience shows that, um, you know, most, if not all substance abuse, um, you know, is, is a medication to a deeper, a deeper trauma. Um, you know, people will use it to medicate something. And that's what we want to identify. We want to identify what are you, what are you getting from this um, substance abuse that we can tackle head on from a clinical standpoint, whether that's medication, um, you know, psychiatry, holistic approach, whatever that looks like for the individual and, and give them a set of tools to where they never need to turn back to the substance again. Um, and that's really kind of the trick. And I think that's where the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. Um, you know, we, we often say that detoxing is actually pretty easy when you look at it objectively, all you have to do is remove the substance from the individual. Uh, it's not easy to go through, but for, yeah. if I'm finding a program, it's really easy to do that, you know. Um, but it's again, said than done because it's usually a mental disorder. They're trying to solve a problem, but they cannot. They're frustrated. They're anxious. They they're hurt. So they start taking that substance. Now becomes a lifestyle. So like you said, uh, and hope I understand it correctly, while you eliminate the substance, the man- mindset is still there. So you have to fix their mental capability through treatment. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the detoxification, the substance, um, that's the simple part. Uh, because it's, you know, I use heroin. Okay. Well take the heroin away and, and put you in this house and you're going to be fine. Well, no, uh, you really have to look at, well, why did they use heroin in the first place? How did it get to this point where they needed to check into a facility? Cause that's a pretty significant, um, that's a pretty significant move, you know, locking yourself into an inpatient program and committing to that, you know, uh, so understanding the seriousness of that and and being willing to dive in, but more importantly, I think having the clinical prowess to truly identify and do the work. Um, you know, a, a lot of times I think the the mentality is that you remove the substance and your life will get better, and I think there is some truth to that. However, a series of of plans need to be put in place. You have to build a foundation for what your life is going to look like and have a set of tools to tackle triggers and to tackle, you know, these, these pre-existing issues and traumas. And in some instances, find 
what needed to be diagnosed that wasn't. And, you know, in some cases people will be treated with medication, right? There's, we see instances of people coming through with undiagnosed uh, bipolar one, for example. Um, and that's the reason they drink or they use. Well, if we can diagnose and then treat that effectively, lo and behold, the person doesn't need to abuse substances anymore. Um, you know, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of individual attention that goes into this, um, and, you know, these each individual treatment plan is completely uh, custom made and tailor made for the individual. Got it. So um, how long is the and the detox is an inpatient program, I suppose? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And how long does the inpatient detox happen? What's the first phase? How long is that for? You know, it, it varies, I would say seven to 10 days on average, um, but we've seen 14 to 21 days um, okay. in, in some instances. And then once they go into the, after the detox, the inpatient treatment, how long is the life cycle before, so from start to finish? You know, so, average, it, it changes, of course. Yeah, it, it, well, and it not only does it change, but it, it does break down via level of care. Um, so the first two levels of care, which is detox and then residential treatment, is usually anywhere between 28 to, to 40 days. Um, it's kind of the 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 sweet spot, if you will. Um, and then you would step down to what's referred to as partial hospitalization or day treatment, um, which is generally where you're living in a structured environment. Um, you know, maybe a sober living or you're back at home, but there's some accountability there. Um, and then during the day, uh, you're going to be continuing treatment that can be six to eight hours a day of the same sort of group therapy, individual therapy sessions, um, you know, and, and again, a lot of this really is accountability um, and structure. And then you would step down to intensive outpatient, which is usually three to five days a week, but only three or four hours a day, um, all the way down to OP. So the, the entire life cycle should be around 90 to 120 days of, of treatment care. Good. So that brings a question that always I've always had in my mind. Most patients that come to you are usually young adults. They should be going to college rather than coming here. So what happens when they're gone for one 20 days? You know, how do they cope up with loss of education? Well, yeah, I mean, that is a good question. You know, we've we've dealt with that. Um, you know, I, I've had certain instances where people have checked in and we've actually facilitated them attending you know, their, their education courses, whatever they are, uh, on their laptop, you know, in the afternoons, jumping on zoom and, and going into class because they're not in a position where they can sacrifice that. Um, what I will say though, mm -hmm. is that when people come in, um, it's generally because everything else is at a risk of being lost. So let's say we have somebody who's, who's fully enrolled and is a full-time college student. Um, if they're coming into treatment, it's generally because they're facing, you know, the consequences of flunking out of school or getting kicked out of school because their addiction is, is front and center. So yeah. one of the things that I often like to tell people is, look, why don't you come in for 30 days, make a 30 day sacrifice for the four year degree. Or, you know, one of the other ones we see a lot is somebody that has children. And that's a really scary thing as an individual. Like I'm, I'm I don't want to leave my kids for the next 30 days. Sure. I respect that, but would you rather make a 30 day sacrifice now to be there when they graduate high school or, um, not make the sacrifice and 
you know, we see so many horrible things happen, whether it's, you know, the, the extreme end of the scale, which is, you know, death, uh, opiate yeah. overdose or, or alcohol poisoning or whatever, to, to drunk driving accidents, to incarceration, all of these things. And so, you know, often looking at the potential consequences, it's kind of a no brainer. Do you want to just sacrifice the 30 days now and trust that that everything is going to be OK or uh, you know, run the risk of of losing a much greater thing in the future. Got it. Uh, that brings me to my next question, which is treatment of addiction is not a pretty penny. Uh, you know, Medicare doesn't pay for it, or sometimes you know the facilities don't take it. Insurance is expensive. So, how do you guys um, help uh, with that? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it is kind of one of the glaring issues of this space. Um, and, and I don't mean to disparage mm-hmm. any uh, Medicare uh, facility or contracted Medicare facility um, when I say this. However, um, I think the reality is, is when you look at a facility that accepts Medicaid or Medicare, they're generally, uh, you know, a commercial building and they house hundreds of patients. Um, and the reason they do that is because they have to. If you're going to accept Medicare, the reimbursement rates for our services um, are so low that you need to do volume over, you know, quality of care. Um, and again, that's not to disparage these programs because I wholeheartedly believe in them. And I, I also believe that if you're ready and willing to get sober, then you can do it in those environments. Um but if you want to go into the realm of private treatment, where like each one of my houses, for example, only has six patients. So you were getting such the difference in quality of care is staggering, meaning, you know, my program, you would be getting five to six individual sessions per week with a doctor, psychiatrist, primary therapist, clinical counselor. You go into a Medicare facility, you might get one in a month. You're more or less a number than you are an individual. Um, you know, and I don't think that we really see that divide in the healthcare space um, as much as we do in this in this particular sector of it. Um, you know, for example, you go to a hospital, hospitals are all kind of the same. And if you're using, you know, your state insurance, um, yeah, I mean, maybe you do want to go to, I'm in Los Angeles, so maybe you'd want to go to Cedars-Sinai because it's a nicer hospital, but you're going to be okay if you go to Northridge. Um in ours, there's such a huge divide. So one of the things that we do to try and mitigate that as much as possible is we put a tremendous amount of emphasis on on um, our charting so we can, in effect, go in network via single case agreements with people's insurance, understanding that not everybody is going to have a tremendous, you know, out of pocket to contribute to their care. So we try and work out agreements with their insurance directly to get people into treatment, um, you know, drafting in network contracts and negotiating with these insurance carriers so people can come in with little to no out-of-pocket. Um, and even going so far as to work out you know, payment plans and operating on a sliding scale so when people do get back on their feet and can start you know, paying for treatment, that we can work out something that is safe and fair for them. Uh, I think it's one of the luxuries of, of you know, having a, a smaller census so we can actually you know, work with these people individually um, to make sure the treatment is accessible. Perfect. So to wrap up, um, do you have anything to say uh, to the audience that you may not have said it? Um, you know, I, I I would like to just say, you know, if you're listening to this and whether you're you're interested in getting into 
the substance abuse treatment space, mental health treatment, um, or you're somebody, you know, one of the things that I've experienced uh, is, is everybody is affected by addiction in some capacity, whether it's a cousin, an auntie, an uncle, um, friend, or themselves. Um, and I think that we have a moral and ethical responsibility to really look at the reality of the situation and that 100,000 people died in the last 12 months, uh, more than we've ever had in recorded history uh, of overdose. So what's clear is that the way that we're treating this, um, you know, isn't working because it's getting worse. So I just want to encourage anybody to feel comfortable to pick up the phone and call that there's no shame. There's no, um, I, you know, I think the only stigma left is, is a stigma that we carry as individuals. Um, but there are solutions. There are better ways of life. Um, and if you want to do this work, please do, because we need as many good people as we can get. Absolutely. That's a great uh, message. To sum up, there's no one fight size fits all. So to treatment of substance use, therefore, if you are treating, uh, whether it's a family member, you're looking for yourself, siblings, check out Stillwater Behavioral Health. They have programs that are personalized and they will offer what uh, Nicholas has said. So check them out for uh, any type of treatment, or even if you want to start an addiction center, you are a consultant, check them out, stillwatertreatment.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Hope to see you once again, as you guys uh, have more news to share with us. Well, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our Brand Story podcast, powered by KISS PR Brand Story. Want to get featured on a story like this? Visit story.kispr.com.